Hey guys, welcome back to the Tim Moen Show. It's been a bit of a break, hasn't it? Uh, took the holidays off, just enjoyed it with the family. Um, you know, I had about a COVID or flu or something like that. Uh, kept me bedridden for a few days. But your boy's back in the saddle now. It's a new year. And uh, I hope to take the podcast in a slightly different direction this year. I've got a couple ideas uh, in store and uh, we'll see how they go. I'm going to try a few different things. Let me know what you think in the comment section. What direction should I take it? Um, today, I'm actually going to be talking about body transformation. As you guys uh, have probably heard in previous episodes, I was doing uh, a program called 75 Hard, and I had some pretty good results. I must say it was a pretty dramatic body transformation that I had. Um, you know, I lost about 20 pounds altogether, but I gained probably about five pounds of muscle as well. Um, a bunch of guys at work asked me what steroids I was taking. I mean, it was noticeable transformation. Most people notice it. And it was in quite a short time, about uh, 75 days, which is two and a half months. So in the spirit of not just bitching about government and whining about all the things that we can't change, I thought I'd give you guys some information and some um, some knowledge, I guess, that I've gained over many years uh, to talk about how you can transform your body as well. Um, and let me know in the comment section if you find this type of podcast valuable or helpful to you. I want to give you guys something that you can actually apply in your life that will actually give you some more freedom and some more um, choices and live longer and hopefully fight for freedom longer and that sort of thing. So um, I'm going to put together this PowerPoint. Uh, if you guys are listening on a podcast app, Spotify or, or Apple iTunes, um, I recommend, I'm going to put the link in, in the show notes. I, I recommend you come to my YouTube or Rumble channel and watch this because I, I've got a bunch of uh, PowerPoint slides that, that will help kind of illustrate some of the stuff I'm going to. So here you go, guys. Here is, um, here's my transformation. So on the left, uh, these two photos were taken um, about 72 days apart. And so you can see on the, on the left side, <laughs> pretty unhealthy you know, not terribly obese, but definitely probably close to 20% body fat or, or maybe higher, um, low energy. And on the right, you see uh, what I look like now. Um, and that was done in, in about 72 days or 75 days, I should say. Um, here's my background. I'm not a f expert. I'm not a fitness uh, scientist or, or anything like that. I've been a firefighter for 25 plus years. So I've Fitness has been part of our lifestyle. In the fire service, uh, you got to be fit. We, we have a job to do that is very physical and demanding. And there's just there's a, a fitness culture. You have to be in shape to get the job. And, and um, so guys that uh, are on the job are all in shape and we push each other and work out. And, um, you know, so so we've got a lot of experience in that. And the other thing I think that makes me different than a lot of people where you might get fitness advice from is that I actually hate the gym. I hate working out. Um, you know, a lot of people you watch fit fitness influencers on YouTube and uh, you know, the, these are people that love the gym. They, they would live in the gym if they could, they, they can't get enough of it. Well, if you're anything like me, <laughs> you hate it. And you know, I'm gearing it towards people that don't love the fitness lifestyle. Don't love working out. Don't, you know, it's a chore. It's a grind to get in the gym. Um, but more than I hate the gym, I hate being fat and out of shape. And so, 
you know, prior to embarking on 75 hard, I'd been out of the gym for probably a year and a half. You know, I've gone in there maybe, uh, I don't know, half a dozen times in a year and a half, nothing consistent. The other thing to know about me is I've tried everything. Okay. All the fitness magazine programs, all the latest fads, body for life, body by science. Um, I've done high intensity programs. I've done high volume programs. I've done strength training. I've tried everything and I can tell you what works, what doesn't work, especially, well, I can tell you what works and what doesn't work for me. Maybe a little bit different for you, but there are, there are principles behind what works and what doesn't work. And I'm hoping to, to uh, elucidate some of those today. Uh, the other thing to know about me is I, I've read everything. Like I'm a nerd guys and I like to get into the details. I don't want to know a program. I want to know why that program, I want to know why it works, how it works. And so, you know, over the years, like I said, I've, I've tried everything. I, I've followed everything from, you know, the Dr. Fungs of the world who promote intermittent fasting to the, the keto people, um, to the Huberman's and the Lane Norton's. And, uh, and so I've, I've kind of digested a huge volume of information. And so I'm going to try to encapsulate a lot of what I've learned over the years through trial and error and through consuming uh, information into something that is relatively simple and easy to follow. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind, I'm 50 years old and I am on medically supervised testosterone replacement therapy. So I do take TRT, I do take testosterone to keep my levels in a normal range. They were low before, I'm an older guy. They fall off as you get older. And so now I'm in a normal physiological range. So I'm not taking steroids, I'm not taking um, supra uh, physiological doses of testosterone. Um, I'm just taking enough to keep me in a normal range, but it definitely helps. But you'll notice in that picture, uh, I showed you at first, the guy on the left is on testosterone and so is the guy on the right. So you can be a fat fuck on testosterone and you can be in shape, but it def definitely helps to have normal testosterone levels um, if you want to put on muscle and have a body transformation. Um, all right. So for those of you who don't want, you know, all the details, it's too long, didn't read. Um, here's three basic points. Eat the right amount of calories to, to achieve your goals. Uh, that means if you want to lose weight, you have to eat fewer calories than you burn a day. If you want to maintain your weight, you have to eat the same amount of calories as you burn each day. And if you want to gain weight, if you want to bulk, uh, you have to eat more calories than you burn each day. Uh, the second point is eat lots of protein. You know, about a gram per pound of body weight. So if you're a 200 pound guy, you should be eating about 200 grams of protein roughly a day. Um, you should do a resistance workout that scares you about three times a week. And by scares you, I mean, it shouldn't feel comfortable going into the gym. You should feel resistance. You should feel like you don't want to go in the gym. The program that I'm, I've got myself on right now, I, I'm literally anxious before I go into the gym because I'm lifting heavy weights and um, it scares me <laughs> to lift that much. It's not comfortable. It's not fun. And, you know, if, if I'm not taking safety precautions, it can even be dangerous. But 
that's what's required. It doesn't require, you don't have to do standard. I mean, this is one of the safest things you can do is resistance training. But um, if you do it wrong, there are consequences and um, it's not easy. It is a hard work and, and you need to put in that hard work to get to get results. And that's just the unfortunate thing. There's no no quick fix, no easy solutions here. All right, the next thing you wanna do is choose a specific goal. So are you trying to build muscle or are you trying to lose fat? Those are two different goals in a lot of ways. And you can't really do both unless you're a newbie, uh, unless you've never lifted weights before, or unless you're like me and you've been stagnant for uh, a good number of, uh, a good while. So if, if you've been, haven't been working out for a year or two, uh, you can put on muscle while you're losing fat. It's very difficult to do if you're a trained, you know, if, if you are, um, if you've been training regularly and you're past the newbie phase of, of your training, where putting on muscle is really hard to do um, and gains come slower. Well, it's, it's hard to do that in a calorie deficit while you're losing fat. Um, so you have to kind of decide what's your primary goal here. Are you trying to build muscle or are you trying to lose fat? And you want to set a time limit too. You don't want this to just go on forever and ever. You know, that, that may feel like the right thing. And, and a lot of uh, diet and fitness influencers, people who are selling you a product will, will try to sell you on this is just do this for the rest of your life and you'll be um, be happy. But the problem is it's hard to maintain any sort of discipline for your whole life. And so it works better just to, because because you, you build up psychological fatigue guys over time, right? It's not just physical fatigue, but psychological fatigue. And this is well studied um, and, and you need to change things up. You need a break. And so, you know, a, a general guideline is to set a time limit of eight to 12 weeks. You know, if you're, if you're a brand new to ever trying anything like this, I re recommend the lower side, try eight weeks and just stick to, stick to a program for eight weeks um, and have some measurable result in mind. Like what do you want to see at the end of this time limit? Do you, how many pounds do you want to have lost? Do you want to have lost 10 pounds? Do you want to have put on, you know, two or three pounds of muscle? Uh, what, what is your goal? Do you want to have achieve lifting a certain amount of weight, but have a goal in mind and have an endpoint in mind. And then at that endpoint, you can reassess and readjust. Maybe you go into, a, you know, if you're in a fat loss phase now, maybe you go into a maintenance phase for a little while um, for a few months before you go into a fat loss phase again. So you're eating more calories, you're getting a break from the fatigue that comes with going on a diet. And, um, and then once you feel ready, you can go back into a fat loss phase with a definitive endpoint again. All right, so when you're picking your goal, take, a, take an honest look at yourself. I looked at myself in the mirror and said, okay, yeah, you need more muscle, but more than you need muscle, you need to lose fat. You know, I can't see my abs. I can't see, you know, I'm starting to get some man boobs growing there. Um, you know, I, I'm at about probably 20, 22% body fat, I'd guess. And, you know, for guys... If you're, I would say above, I don't know, 18% body fat, 
your goal should probably be to lose fat. Lose fat first. That's going to give you the most radical transformation. You know, you do have muscle under there. And what shows, what makes you look jacked more than anything is getting rid of the fat that's on top of your muscle. And, and so the most radical body transformation you can do is losing fat. All right. So, so that was my goal at the beginning of this cycle, 75 hard cycle was I'm going to lose fat. And I set a goal of um, losing, I think it was about 15 or 16 pounds and with at, by the end date. All right. Now, the next thing you have to do is adopt a new mindset. And this is probably one of the most important things to, to, get through out of all the um out of all the information i'm going to give you this one is probably the most important because this is the one that that gives you consistency that you need right um having one heroic workout isn't going to provide much change but having a lot of even subpar workouts and and is right so um you know just because you fast one day doesn't mean you're going to get skinny you have to um eat fewer calories then you burn um, if you want to lose fat over time consistently, you know, over that whole period. And, and that requires adopting a new mindset. So the first thing is forget motivation. Motivation doesn't work. If you're, if you're waiting to find um, the energy or the desire or the inspiration to change your body to you're, you're going to be waiting forever. Um, action creates motivation. And what you find is once you make these practices non-negotiable, that they're just something that you have to do and you don't negotiate with yourself, you just do them no matter how you feel. Um, over time, over a few days or a few weeks, suddenly it starts to become easier to go to the gym. It starts to become easier to eat properly. And in fact, you look forward at some point to go into the gym and eating properly. Uh, but you have to make it non-negotiable. You have to, as my wife said, I'm not, my wife <laughs> said, we, we reviewed our, our previous year and we look back at it and then we kind of set goals and, and resolutions for the next year, what we want to work on. Not a big guy on resolutions, but I like the way my wife worded it. She said, I'm not calling them resolutions. I'm calling them making a promise to myself. I'm making a contract with myself and and I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty heavy. I don't know if I want to make a promise to myself because, you know, as a man, I'm taught that my word is my bond and I never want to break a promise. I never want to say anything I can't follow through with. And she's like, yeah, exactly. Make a promise to yourself so you don't break it. I'm like, oh, that's a good point. It's a good point. Um, OK, the next thing is focus on one day and one hour at a time. That, that's going to get you consistency. You know, consistency is more important than anything else. So. You know, if you're having a craving, just wait 10 minutes, wait an hour. If you, um, you know, if you know you have to go in the gym this afternoon, just focus on that gym. Don't think about the 70 or, you know, the, the 10 more weeks that you have ahead of you of having to do this and get discouraged. Just think, OK, I'm going to get in the gym. I'm going to do my workout. I'm going to do it. And you don't have to have a stellar workout. You don't have to have an optimal workout. You just have to get in there and form that habit. And you can do that and you can get off the couch and do it right now, right? Um, 
The other thing is changing your relationship with food. You know, normally we think of food as a pleasurable thing. At least I did. You know, it's all about the mouth orgasm, so to speak, right? I love potato chips. I love the, the feeling in my mouth. I love watching TV and movies, eating them. Um, I love a good meal. I'm a bit of, you know, we're all a bit of a foodie, right? We love that pasta. We love the pizza. We love the hot wings. But when you, um, when you want to live a healthy lifestyle, we have to look at food as fuel. So we're looking at that plate and we're thinking about all the components of it and what's it going to do in our body? What's it going to do for us? And so the way I look at food is uh, I look at the protein because that's going to build my muscle. When I work out in the gym and I feed it protein, I know it's going to, that protein's going to build muscle. When I eat carbs, I'm thinking of them as fuel. What's going to fuel me uh, for that workout? When I look at fats, I think about uh, the necessary hormones in my body that, that are made out of fat. I think about the, the processes that use fat. And so I don't want to, so, so if my food is fuel, I want to make sure I'm getting the appropriate fuel in my body um, to make it work good. And, and so I'm not looking at all the things I'm eliminating. I'm looking at where's that high octane uh, fuel that is going to give my body the best ability to recover, work out, and perform on a daily basis. I'm going to adopt a new identity. Okay. And this is like, goes back to, there's a book called um, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And he says, you know, the thing you have to do if you're a writer, if you're a content producer, whatever you do, you have to, even if you don't feel like it, you have to sit down in front of that blank piece of paper. If you're a writer and you have to tell yourself, I'm a professional writer. I am a writer. That's who I am. That's my identity. And I'm a professional and I will sit here and I will write. And even if you're not really a writer, even if you haven't accomplished anything, that's what you do. You adopt that identity and then you eventually become that. You fake it till you make it. So what's your new identity? Your new identity is um, you're a fit person. You are a person that does fitness, that does body transformation. You're the person who eats healthy and works out. That's just who you are. And even if you don't feel like that, you got to keep telling yourself that and eventually you become that. Uh, the other thing is don't dwell on mistakes. It's very easy if you have a, a, a cheat meal or you, you know, have a break and you just mow down on a giant bag of potato chips or you miss a workout one day to be like to beat yourself up and be like, ah, oh, it's all for naught. I just ruined everything. No, you, you can't dwell on it. You have acknowledge it and move on. Tomorrow's a new day. This hour is a new hour. And we're going to start doing things, um, making the right choices. All right. So now we're getting into some of the technical stuff behind losing fat and body tr transformation. Um, so the first thing to, th to know about is, is your total daily energy expenditure, TDEE. This is the amount of calories you burn every day as a human being and that's comprised of the basal metabolic rate and that takes up about 70 percent of the calories you consume every day is just your basal metabolic rate what does it take to keep your heart beating and keep your brain thinking okay your brain actually consumes 
a huge amount of calories just thinking. And there, there's been some studies that show um, focused reading can actually slightly increase the amount of calories you burn. You're not going to lose any weight thinking extra hard, um, but you know it, it's good to know that your body is burning calories, whether you and there's nothing you can do about it. It's just burning calories at a particular rate. Um, and the bigger you are, the more calories you're burning. Uh, the other thing is non-exercise activity thermogenesis or NEAT. Okay, that is what I'm doing right now. I'm talking, you know, I'm shifting side to side. My hands are moving. I'm having all these movements and activity. Um, and that makes up about 15% of, of the calories that I burn every day. Uh, you'll notice, you ever notice a really skinny guy? Uh, sometimes they're a smoker. Sometimes they're a meth addict or whatever. Uh, but they have really high neat, really high activity, right? Their, their legs are shaking, they're, they're bouncing around, they're kind of, they're just animated people, right? Those people have a really high neat and their, their neat might be 20%, 25% compared to a normal person's 15%. Uh, thermic effect of food is something else. So it, it actually takes calories to digest and absorb our food. And different calories, different types of food um, have different, require different energy levels to absorb them. So for example, protein takes more energy to absorb, absorb quite a bit more energy than carbs. And so quite often when people switch to say a, a carnivore diet or some, a high protein, low carb diet, even if they're eating the exact same number of calories, they'll suddenly notice that their weight starts dropping. And that's because they've actually increased their total daily energy expenditure. They're, they're burning more calories just because they're eating more protein. Uh, now you'll notice, and this is kind of interesting, exercise activity thermogenesis. So this is what you do in the gym. Your purposeful exercise only burns about 5% of your total daily energy expenditure. So what does this say? This says that Exercise, if, you, if you're trying to lose weight by exercise or exercise alone, you're going to have a hard time because if that's only 5% of your, your energy expenditure every day. You're not going to be able to lose weight um, just by working out. It's very hard. All right, so uh, you need to figure out what your maintenance calories are. What, what is your total daily energy expenditure. It's different for everyone, but you know, the bigger you are, the more calories you burn, the more active you are, the more calories you burn. There's lots of online cal calculators that can give you a rough idea to start with. And none of them are going to give you a precise number for you. They're just going to get you in the ballpark, in, in the ballpark. So uh, what I recommend doing is tracking every single calorie that goes into your body. And I'm talking about everything you drink, uh, the, the cream that you put in your coffee, coffee, the ketchup that you put on your French fries, as well as all the food you're consuming, track everything on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and if precise tracking isn't possible, in other words, if you don't know exactly how many calories are in the meal or in the food that you're putting in your body, uh, estimate, but overestimate them if you, if you can, because um, you want to make sure that you're, you're not leaving any calories 
on the table. You want to, the, the worst thing you can do, and, and we see this all the time. A lot of people are like, I've been in a calorie deficit for a month and I haven't lost any weight. Well, the reality is you weren't in a calorie deficit. If you were in a calorie deficit, you would have lost weight. That's there, there's reams and reams of research that that's what causes weight loss and there's no getting around it. So if you're not losing weight, you're not in a calorie deficit. So you are underestimating um, how many calories you're actually eating. You might be logging that you're eating 2000, but you're erring on the low side and what you're actually eating is 2,500 calories a day. So I would recommend overestimating calories to make sure that you're, you're tracking them all. Uh, the other thing is weigh yourself every morning uh, for a week. And I do this every day. Every morning, I weigh myself. I have a shit, I have a piss, empty my bowels and my bladder, and then I weigh myself in my underwear, see where I'm at. Now, your weight is going to fluctuate up and down every day. One day, you might be three pounds heavier. The next day, you might be two pounds lighter. Um, this ha has isn't indicative of whether you have more fat or less fat on your body. It's indicative mostly of water um, water absorption. So if you ate a lot of salt the days be day before or you had some alcohol, you might be retaining some water. You might be a little bit bloated and you know that'll you'll pee that out the next day and you'll be so you can't get an accurate reading of what you weigh just by taking one measurement. What you have to do is weigh yourself every day for a week and average those and take the average weight, you know, add them all up and divide them by seven and go with that weight. And then do that every week. Weigh yourself every single day, take the average every week and compare one week to the next. And that's going to give you your most accurate determination of um, where you're at. Now, if you are maintaining your weight over time, that means you're eating maintenance calories and you've been tracking it and say you've been eating, you know, 3000 calories a day. With, well, let's start at the top. Let's say your online calculator told you that you should be eating, um, that your maintenance calories, your TDEE is 3,200 calories based on what you entered for your, your age, your weight, your, your uh, lifestyle, are you sedentary or active, and your workouts, okay? The online calculator might give you a number of 3,200. And then you track every calorie going into your body and you weigh yourself uh, every day for a week, you find that you have maintained your weight and maybe you've only had 2,700 calories a day every every day. Um, well, that is your maintenance calories. It's not the 3,200 that the online calculator said, it's the 2,700 that you actually tracked because that plus your, your weight indicates where you're at. If you lose weight, obviously you've been eating fewer calories than your maintenance. If you've gained weight, you've been eating more calories. Let's say you, you've eaten 3,200 calories like the online calculator told you to, and you've actually put on uh, a pound a week. Well, you know that you're, you're in a caloric surplus, that your maintenance calorie levels, your TDEE is lower. So uh, you really want to find out what, try to figure out what your your maintenance calories are at and you do that by tracking every calorie by weighing yourself every morning all right 
So fat loss, if you, this is what you're doing, it's also called cutting in the fitness industry. Your goal is to lose fat while preserving and possibly building muscle, okay? But your primary goal is losing fat. And we wanna lose fat in a way that preserves our muscle. When we go into a calorie deficit, uh, your body, body becomes catabolic. In other words, it starts breaking down its own tissue to feed you. It's not getting enough food to meet your, uh, you're not getting enough food to meet your, your daily energy expenditure. So it has to get that energy from somewhere and it gets it from your body tissue. Now you want that energy to come from fat, but some of it could also come from muscle if you're not careful. So there are ways of mitigating or preserving or preventing um, muscle loss. When you're fat cutting, uh, avoid fat burners and other snake oil. So you, you will go to a fitness store and they'll sell you fat burners, um, which, you know, are some of them are just snake oil. Some of them actually do work, but they're they have negative unintended consequences. So, uh, for example, ephedrine was uh, often used fat burner for a long time. So, I mean, it, it's like taking meth to burn fat. Meth is a fat burner, by the way. Meth or any stimulant burns fat because it, it increases meat. It increases non-exercise activity thermogenesis. When you um, have a hit of meth, you're moving around a lot more, right? This is why meth addicts and stimulant addicts are all kind of bouncing off the walls and they're skinny people for the most part. Um, so they do work, but the, but the downside is obvious, right? It, it burns you out. It burns out your, your adrenals, um, you know, you become reliant on them. You have to keep chasing the dragon. You need a bigger and bigger stimulant to get the same effect. So I recommend staying away from, from fat burners um, if you can avoid it. Uh, avoid alcohol. Alcohol um, is, I mean, as Huberman says, it is a poison at any dose. There's no good amount. Now, we all like to have some alcohol, but just keep in mind, it does have lots of calories in it. Um, so figure out what, if you, if you have to have a cocktail or you're doing a social event and you like to have a little social lubricant and have a couple drinks, plan for that. Think about uh, what you're going to drink. Don't have something that's, uh, that's high calories. You know, a Guinness might be high calories, whereas, you know, a shot of vodka might be lower calories. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind with alcohol is that it interrupts sleep. And sleep is super important for recovery. You need to, while your body's sleeping, your muscles are being built. And if you're not getting a good sleep, uh, you're not getting the recovery, you're not getting the muscle building you need, and it's going to decrease your performance in the, the gym the next day uh, when you want to be lifting with intensity. Uh, avoid fad diets. You know, fad diets, there's, there's all sorts of people out there trying to sell you a diet. Uh, but, but the most important diet you can do is the one that you can adhere to, the one that you can stick to, the one that isn't going to cause you the most amount of pain to do. So find something that works consistently for you. Uh, avoid trigger foods. So for me, I couldn't have any potato chips in the house. Potato chips are like crack for me. If I have one, I'm having a handful. If I have a handful, I'm having a whole bag. If I'm having a whole bag, I'm having two or three bags until my stomach is bloated and I feel full and gross. And, and then I'm on a, <laughs> then I have one bad day and that leads to another bad day. And so uh, I, I don't want any of those triggers around me when I'm trying to eat healthy and do the right things. 
Um, avoid cheat meals. Uh, cheat meals, again, they get you in this, this mindset that you've been deprived this whole week. You've been deprived. And now Sunday is your cheat meal day and you finally don't have to be deprived. And remember what I said, we want to change our relationship with food here. Our, our food is fuel. It's the building blocks of your body. It's what makes you go. And so you haven't been deprived. You've been feeding your body everything it needs. You've been nourishing your body. And now you're going to throw a wrench into that and you're going to eat something that isn't going to nourish your body, something that's going to make you fat, something that's going to make you sluggish, something that's going to uh, possibly remove all the all the gains you've had. I mean, let's say you've been in a calorie deficit of 500 calories for every day for six the past six days. That's what, 3,000 calories, okay? So 3,500 calories is a pound lost. Well, you could erase all that on Sunday by eating a 3,000 calorie surplus, right? Having all the ice cream and having all the pizza. So all that work you did all week will mean jack squat because you had a cheat meal. So don't get into that scarcity mindset of you're depriving yourself and therefore you, you have a reward. No, no. You're rewarding yourself all day, every day, seven days a week with nourishing meals. All right. Also, when you're cutting fat, it's important not to do it too rapidly. Okay. This is going to help you preserve muscle. You want that muscle under there. A, you want the muscle because that's what's going to look good when the fat's gone. And B, you want that muscle because it burns uh, more calories. It's more metabolically active and it gives you more strength to do the things you want. Right. So uh, to do that, we aim to lose 0.5 to 1% body weight per week maximum. Okay, so for myself, when I embarked on 75 hard, I was 235 pounds and I aim to lose a pound and a half a week. So that's uh, what is that about 0.75% body weight a week or something like that. Um, again, we're looking to diet for no more than six to 12 weeks. We want to keep it in a manageable block to avoid fatigue. And also to avoid lowering meat. As you go into a calorie deficit, you start to become more and more sluggish over time. And that's going to drop down how much you move around and how active you are and reset your metabolic rate at a lower, at a lower level. So now your, your total daily energy expenditure has gone from 3,000 to, say, 2,700. And that's you don't want that. You want to keep your your energy, total daily energy expenditure high. And so that's another reason to limit how long you, you diet for. Um, and then we're going to cut calories. And like I said, 3,500 calories roughly equals one pound of body weight loss. So if you're, um, you know, in my case, if I want to lose a pound and a half a week, um, I have to cut 750 calories a day to lose one and a half pounds a week. All right, a word on some of the other diet regimens you can do, okay? I've tried all of these. I've tried intermittent fasting, and I, I'm generally, I generally like intermittent fasting. That's what I do for the most part, just naturally, because I'm not that hungry in the morning. Um, so I'll, intermittent fasting, you know, usually you'll pick a, a window in the day where you feed, right? And it's maybe a four-hour window or an eight-hour window, uh, let's say you you break your fast at 1 or 2 p.m. and then eat your last meal at 
uh, 6 or 7 p.m. That would be intermittent fasting. Consume all your calories in that amount of time. Now, even if you're not counting calories, intermittent fasting often works to lower, to put you in a calorie deficit because it's just harder to consume all the calories you need in a day if you're limiting the amount of time you can you can eat it. Uh, keto is similar. Uh, keto, the first thing that will happen is that you'll start peeing a lot once you get into ketosis. You'll pee out about 10 pounds of water. And so it's a very responsive diet in that you'll notice the scale go down very rapidly. So when I went on keto, I lost about 10 pounds in about a week and a half. That's all. That's not fat. That's all water weight. You, uh, you're peeing a lot because you have all these ketones you need to clear out of your body. And so your kidneys are working overtime and you're, you're, you know, you have to drink a lot to maintain hydration and your, your water balance shifts. And so you lose 10 pounds. Now, as soon as you stop keto, that 10 pounds comes back immediately. Like you start everything you drink gets retained by your body because you're no longer in ketosis. So it's kind of a false weight loss, at least for the first bit. But keto does work for a lot of people because um, you're you're eating foods that are very satiating, that are very that, that fix your hunger. Right. So you eat fewer calories a day because you're just not that hungry on that diet. And that's the same with carnivore. Carn carnivore does the exact same thing. You lose weight often because you're in a calorie deficit because you just aren't that hungry on a carnivore diet because you're eating food that is very filling and satiating and you're just not that hungry. Um, and they all work. And CICO is calories in, calories out. And of course, um, again, the literature, I used to subscribe to this idea that you have to be in keto to burn fat or yeah, all these things. And it turns out all that stuff is bunk. It's just basic um, thermodynamics. If you <laughs> eat, consume fewer calories than you burn in a day, you'll lose weight. So it's, it really is calories in, calories out. And some of those diets like intermittent fasting, keto and carnivore are really good strategies to get you fewer calories in a day than you're burning without making you hungry and craving and different things like that. All right. Regardless of whether you're just doing a normal diet or keto or carnivore, or any of those things, I recommend all of this. Read the nutrition labels on all your food. Okay, that little package, they all have nutrition labels. And make sure you know what's in the food, what the macros are, how much protein, how many carbs, how much fat. Log all your food, including sauces, drinks, snacks. Prioritize one gram of protein for every pound of body weight. And by that, I mean the first thing you should be thinking about eating is your protein. Uh, that does two things. One, it makes sure you get the protein you need to build the muscles that you're going to be working out in the gym. But it also uh, makes you less hungry. If you were to, you know, let's say you have a steak, uh, salad and potatoes on your plate. If you eat that steak first, in about 15 minutes, you're going to be relatively full. You're not going to feel like eating a whole bunch more. Whereas um, if you devour your sides first um, and then your steak, you, you know, you could be feeling hungry for more sides and like take another helping of potatoes and gravy or something like that, right? 
So that's why I say prioritize one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Um, ideally, spread your protein over at least three meals. This is kind of traditional um, bodybuilding 101, and it comes from the idea that um, for there, there's been some evidence over the years that you can only absorb a certain amount of protein uh, per meal, per sitting, and that, that's anywhere from uh, 20 to 40 grams of protein is what you'll see a lot out there. Uh, but there was a recent study that showed that even eating 100 grams of protein um, in one sitting doesn't mean that you that uh, you only absorb a portion of it. Um, that that protein actually stays around in a usable form in your system to be used for protein synthesis for a lot longer. So uh, while I, I, I should have a, a star next to this where you eat at least three meals, um, whether you're eating three meals or one meal or two meals, just make sure you get that one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Bodybuilders who are specialized in hypertrophy and packing on muscle, I mean, they'll eat at least six meals a day. They'll spread their protein over the whole day. They want to make sure that, in fact, I know some bodybuilders that get up at two in the morning and have protein to make sure they're not losing any opportunity for protein synthesis. You think about it, you're in the gym, you've provided a, a serious stimulus to your muscle. And now uh, you want to make sure that it has every opportunity to grow that it can. And that means making sure there's protein in the environment. And so bodybuilders take that to the next level by making sure there's always some protein in there. But it turns out that might not be necessary. That Even one meal a day of a high protein might be enough to, to keep you there. All right. Aim for 25% calories from fat and the rest should come from carbs. This is just a rough guesstimate or rough, rough idea. You want to make sure that you have enough uh, fat in your diet to, to maintain body functions, things that are made out of fat, your cell membranes are made out of fat, you know, so I ideally you want some high quality fats, right? Uh, some MCT oil or, or coconut oil, those, those are generally some good fats, but um, the rest should come from carbs. You, you want carbs to uh, fuel your workouts. And one thing you'll notice if you're on a keto diet or, or a carnivore diet is your your energy levels, you'll have good mental acuity all day long because um, your brain seems to work good on ketones or even in a calorie deficit, I've noticed it seems to work really good. But your body doesn't have the same energy from ketones. It doesn't have that intense um, contractile energy available from ketones that it gets from carbs. So um, if you're not on keto or carnivore, I recommend the rest of your, your um, comes from carbs. Now, in reality, when I did the diet, I did, I just prioritized, prioritized my protein. And then I didn't really keep track of carbs or fat after that. I mean, I had an app that tracked my food. So it told me but I didn't care if I got 30% fat one day, 10% the next day, 50% the next, you know, as long as I got the protein and my calories stayed uh, in a deficit, I didn't care about the rest of it. Uh, weigh yourself every day and note your weekly average. We talked about that before. And then adjust your calories based on your weekly average. So if you're in a fat loss phase and over the week you do your weekly average and it it turns out you've only gone down half a pound when you when you're aiming for a pound and a half 
time to adjust your your calorie deficit. So you, you you're going to need to drop another 500 calories off your daily plan and eat less if you want to lose a pound and a half. And when I was doing 75 hard, I used this app called Carbon. I'll put the links uh, below and it automatically adjusts your calories for you. You enter your weight every day. It does your weekly average for you. And um, and then it adjusts your calories based on whether you're on track with your goals or not. And so it adjusts it every week, up or down, based on whether you're losing weight too fast or too slow. Um, I also recommend drinking lots of water, at least two liters a day. In 75 hard, you're drinking four liters a day. That's too much. <laughs> That's a lot of peeing. Uh, but it does help uh, in a lot of ways. I find for whatever reason, it gives you more energy. Um, you know, your muscles are largely comprised of water. And so ensuring they're properly hydrated uh, seems to be important for strength. And it keeps you less hungry um, if you're constantly kind of drinking some water throughout the day. There's something in your stomach all the time. It's water and, it, and you don't get the cravings you normally do. All right, so here's an example of some of the uh, some of the foods that you can eat that are relatively clean. Um, and th this goes for whether you're in a bulk, in a fat loss cutting phase, or whether you're just maintaining your weight. Chicken breasts, they're low in fat, lean steaks, uh, fish, ground beef, ideally lean or extra lean ground beef. It is more expensive. But when you notice how much fat is in a lot of these, you'll see that like if you just try to eat all your protein from just regular ground beef, you can do it, but your fat, the number of fat calories is going to be really high and it's going to be hard to stay in a calorie deficit eating all that extra fat that you don't want. And it's going to be hard to get in enough carbs in, you know, maybe you have 300 calories left that you can get from carbs throughout the day. That's not going to be a lot to help fuel your, your workouts. So this is why we generally recommend leaner proteins because with higher fat content, it's really hard to stay under that, uh, in that calorie deficit. Uh, whey protein powder is really useful uh, to, to supplement. It's hard to get all your protein. I mean, you know, for myself, 200 grams of protein is like six or seven chicken breasts. I and mean, that's a lot of chicken breasts. I just can't eat that. It tastes, you know, dry and kind of, it's just hard to get down. So supplementing with a protein powder is helpful. You can throw it in a shake and, and down it, right? Pork tenderloin, egg whites, chickpeas, Greek yogurt, um, carbs, you're looking at quinoa, rice, whole grain pasta, Ezekiel bread, potatoes, oats, granola, broccoli, spinach, healthy fats, avocados, whole eggs, olive oil, almond or almond butter, coconut oil, um, useful condiments, sugar-free sauces and syrups, no sugar added ketchup, diet sodas. Yes, you can eat diet sodas. No, there's no credible evidence that they cause major health problems. Um, I like to use Mio sweeteners and electrolytes and put that in my water. So I'll have a two liter thing of water and I, you know, I, I don't like the taste. I, I don't like plain water. It's just boring. So I like a little something in there to add sweetener. Uh, protein bars are a great snack to have on hand and uh, Quest protein chips. I just discovered those this last quarter and they are a godsend for a chipaholic like me. They're high in protein, low in carbon fat, and um, they help satisfy that that tooth. That's I don't want to call it a sweet tooth. That potato chip tooth is that something? Like here's an example of a meal I made 
Now this is, this looks like it would be junk food, right? Like it would be a bad thing. Uh, but let look at the, look at the calories and the macro content. This is 728 calories. It's a plate of nachos. It basically looks like nachos, beef, cheese, and salsa, right? 728 calories, 78 uh, grams of protein, only 12 grams of carbs, 36 grams of fat. So I'm getting high protein, low carbs, relatively low calories, and it tastes almost the same as regular um, regular nachos. Now, regular nachos would probably be closer to 1,200 calories. It would have um, almost you know, very low protein, probably 10 or 11 grams of protein. It would have like 100 grams of carbs and like probably uh, 50, 60 grams of fat or more in it. And so those macros are no good. It would put me over my calorie, uh, put me in a calorie surplus. It wouldn't have the protein that I would need it. So I'd have to eat more protein later in order to get enough protein for the day. So, you know, you can still eat relatively healthy and delicious foods I found. Some other things that you want to consider when fat loss, you, you need to get used to meal prepping. Okay. And now I'm lucky. I have a wife who is traditional in that she loves to cook for me. I never ask her to cook for me. I never demanded. I'm grateful she does it, but she loves it. And so she would prep for me. Um, my protein sources and some carb sources on a Sunday. So she'd cook up a big batch of extra lean protein with maybe some salsa or, or taco seasoning in it. So it has a little spice to it. Cook up some, um, grill up some chicken breasts with some seasoning on it. Um, no real, no sauces, right? Because sauces have a lot of calories in them that you never consider. Um, or, you know, I I'd, I'd do up a, a roast or, something like that on the, on the smoker and it cut off as much fat as I could. And you put those in, in your uh, Tupperware containers and put them in the fridge. And then you can just draw on that all week, kick, pick, uh, cook up a big bowl of, of a big pot of rice, put that in containers. Um, and then have some, you know, I would like to have some bag salad on hand just to have some leafy greens, maybe some broccoli or something like that. And it doesn't take long to meal prep. Um, you know, it'd take you maybe an hour or two on a Sunday and you basically have all your stuff ready to go for the rest of the week. Um, the other thing I recommend is for logging your food, use an app like MyFitnessPal or Carbon. MyFitnessPal is free. You can pay for the premium version, but you don't need to. But it's free and you can scan food labels with it. It'll, it'll enter, you know, you just enter in your food and it basically has your macros right there. And so you don't have to enter in each food label and enter in how much protein and all that. It automatically does that for you. So they're super handy. Carbon is about $12 uh, a month, um, but the, it works very similar to MyFitnessPal, but it also um, automatically adjusts your, your calories based on your weight and it has it has kind of an AI coach that helps you manage that. So I've been using that and it works quite well. Um, in terms of going in a calorie deficit, again, you can do cardio or you can do diet. And a lot of people do both, like burning more calories definitely helps put you in a deficit, but also eating less food puts you in a deficit. And so consider this, 
that three cans of regular Coke is equivalent to about a 30 to 45 minute run. So if normally you're eating, you're consuming three or four cans of Coke a day, well, you could go on a 45 minute run and, and run hard and, and, you know, have to get motivated and off the bench to do that. Or you could simply not drink three cans of Coke. You could, or you could replace them with Coke Zero and you get the same results in terms of fat loss that you would get from doing that cardio. So diet is far more effective at putting you in a calorie deficit than, uh, than working out is and then cardio is. A couple things about you, the, the challenges you're going to face are going to be things like special events, restaurants, fast food. You're out, you, you know, you don't have your meal with you, you're hungry. Um, if you're a shift worker like me, you're working night shift and you're on the ambulance, you forgot to bring some food and now you're hungry, what do you do? You want to plan for these types of things, right? So, or you're going to a family function and you know there's going to be some alcohol there and there's going to be all, all a bunch of fat, uh, finger foods and, and things like that. Well, there are strategies you can use to deal with situations like this. So for example, if I know there's a special event coming up, if I know I'm going over to a family member's house, um, I'll eat fewer calories throughout the day. So I'll make sure that um, if, if my calorie, my daily calorie allotment is say 2000 calories to stay in my calorie deficit, um, I'll only eat say a thousand calories prior to going to that event. So I'll have a thousand calories to play with. Um, when I go there. So I can comfortably eat a bunch of the junk food and fast foods and whatever's on there and still stay in my calorie deficit. So I'll still lose fat. Now, will it be optimal in terms of preserving or building muscle? No. Will it be the best, cleanest, uh, most nutritious food I can eat? No. But I'll stay on my goal of losing fat and I'll be able to participate in a function where other people are eating these foods and they're, it's social and I can have a drink and, and different things like that. So you can plan for those types of things. You can go to a restaurant and request, um, uh, you know, just like a steak or uh, uh, you can, you know, you, you can determine um, what the sides are and make sure that they, they fit within your calorie Thing. You can do a little bit of research. So I found I did a little bit of research before my wife and I would go on date nights. I'd look at the menu. I'd make sure there was something on that menu that I thought would fit within my calories and within my macros. And then it was okay to go there. Sometimes I couldn't find one. We'd choose a different restaurant. And it's the same with fast food. You know, there are options out there at fast food restaurants. You can get a wrap at McDonald's or different things like that. If you enter them into my fitness pal, you can see exactly what the macros are and make sure you're within um, your caloric intake and within your macro range for the day. So there, there are options out there. As long as you don't do that on a regular basis, you can fit that in and you can still be losing fat. It just takes a little bit of pre-planning and a little bit of forethought. All right. Now you're gonna end your diet at a predetermined date. So like we said before, about eight to 12 weeks, you're gonna end it. Um, and you're not gonna go hog wild at this point, right? Now, if you hopefully haven't, you're not in the mindset where you feel like you've been so deprived, now you're just gonna go hog wild. Um, my wife did fitness competitions for a while and this is what would happen, right? It's a normal thing. Maybe treat yourself to a cheat meal or, or whatever. But right after the, the bodybuilding show was over, um, it would be mowing down a box of donuts and all the foods that she felt deprived of for so long. 
I mean, but the, these are people that are going into a severe calorie deficit for extended periods of time. It's not a healthy thing to do, right? Uh, what we're doing here is we're only losing 0.5 to 1% body weight a week. We're doing it at a gradual pace. You shouldn't feel that deprived and have th those cravings. And, and even if you do, I recommend not going hog wild. Stay clean. What we're going to do is just increase our calories back to what our new maintenance is. Now, remember, whatever we started at, if we were 250 pounds and now we're 230 pounds, our maintenance calories have dropped, right? They, they were at one level, now they're at a new lower level. So you wanna take that into consideration. You don't wanna go back to your old maintenance level because now you'll start putting on weight. Um, if you eat maintenance calories of a 250 pound person and you're a 230 pound person, you're gonna become a 250 pound person again in short order. Um, so you wanna just increase calories to your new maintenance and Again, weigh yourself every day, note the weekly average, and you just want to stay at that weight. Your goal now is just to stay at that weight for a while. Just enjoy being that weight before you do anything else. And this might go on for a while. And then take another assessment. Have you lost as much weight as you want to lose? Um, you know, are you, you know, for myself, I lost enough weight. I look good in the mirror. I liked what I saw. I was down to probably 12, 13% body fat. Um, I could get lower and I, I probably will in the future, but right now uh, I wanna build some muscle and I wanna be able to eat. So I'm going, right now I'm coming out of a maintenance phase. So I, I just did this, I ended my diet mid-December and I kind of just have been coasting at maintain, maintenance, I'm maintaining my weight, eating calories. It's nice having, eating, you know, more calories uh, than I have been. So, you know, again, I was in a 750 calorie deficit, which is considerable deficit. So I was feeling hungry and having cravings. And when I added those 750 or actually more like 600 calories back because I lost 20 pounds, um, you know, I've just been maintaining my weight. I've been feeling good. I've been feeling full. I haven't had cravings and, you know, I'm staying pretty lean. I haven't gained any uh, that much weight. Uh, I'm probably in a bit of a surplus because I'm gaining a few pounds over the last four weeks, maybe three pounds or something like that, but that's okay. I want to go into a bit of a bulk now. I want to make sure I'm putting up bigger numbers in the gym. I want to make sure that I'm packing on some muscle and, um, and then uh, I've got a, my wife and I have a beach vacation in April. And so about six weeks out from that beach vacation, the end of April, I'm going to start a cutting phase and I'm going to try to get, uh, try to do a pretty significant cut, uh, maybe about two pounds um, a week of body fat and try to get as, as shredded as I can for those beach photos. And um, that's kind of how I'm structuring my program. But stay at this maintenance phase, I would recommend for, for a bit before you decide to, to do anything else. Just enjoy your new body, your new weight, your new habits and, and uh, see if you can maintain for a while. Now, if you're going to do a muscle gain, uh, a lean bulk, a lot of things stay the same. We want to avoid all the things like alcohol. Uh, we want to avoid uh, a dirty bulk. And by that, I mean just eating all the foods and not caring how much calories you put in your body and what you eat. Uh, some weightlifters call it bear mode, where they just consume as much as they can. They used to have this stuff called mass gainer that had uh, protein and a shit ton of sugar in it. 
And it was just designed for like teens. It was a marketed at teens who had difficult, who are hard gainers, who had difficulty putting on weight, but it would mostly just make you fat. You put on muscle, but you put on a lot of fat as well. So the goal with, with muscle gaining is to go in a, in a slight calorie surplus, um, but not so much so that you're adding muscle as well as fat, right? You're going to put on fat anytime you're in a surplus, um, but you're also going to put on muscle. And so the goal is to put on muscle without putting on too much fat. And then eventually when you go to cut again, you'll, the goal would be to preserve that muscle and lose the fat. And so that's kind of how they do it in bodybuilding. And that's, that it works pretty good just in general life too, though, to go through these phases. It's no fun to just be in a constant fat cutting phase or a constant maintenance phase or, you know, constantly bulking. You want to switch between them. It keeps things fresh and, and it's how you actually get gains um, as well without the psychological fatigue. Uh, also avoid performance enhancing drugs uh, if you're a novice all right if you if you're a newbie in the gym if you haven't done much work you know you're going to get lots of gains um, you know your, your muscles will just respond that's the time in your life when you'll pack on the most muscles uh, and you won't you don't need peds until you you become an advanced weightlifter and by advanced i mean you're no longer getting gain, gains you're no longer getting stronger you've maxed out your strength you've maxed out your hypertrophy you've done everything you can and now you're stalled out that's when peds are used if you feel like you need to use them um all right your goal here is to increase lean muscle while minimizing fat increase and so you should aim for 0.5 to 1% body weight increase per month Notice we're doing a gain much slower than we're doing a, a cut, a fat loss. Uh, with fat loss, it was 0.5 to 1% body weight lost per week. Now we're aiming to only gain 0.5 to 1% body weight per month. So for myself, at 215 pounds, um, you know, that's what, two pounds I'm, I'm looking to gain in a month if I'm doing a lean, lean bulk. And that means... 250 to 500 daily caloric surplus above TDEE. Um, and then when you stop the bulk is when your body fat becomes unacceptable. So let's say your body fat gets back up to 18 or gets back up to 18 to 20%. Okay, that's that's too much. Um, now I need to go into, into a cut. Now, all I've gained all a bunch of muscle, if I get back to that, if I stay in the gym and keep doing what I'm doing, if I get back to 20%, I'm going to be a much stronger and have a lot more muscle on me. So when that fat peels off, I'll look even more jacked and shredded than I do now. Um, so that that's okay. But um, that's when you stop doing a, uh, a bulk. All right, let's talk about exercise now. Exercise, the goal here is to gain more muscle tissue. Um, fat loss, like we talked about, comes from diet. So the goal of exercise isn't to lose fat. You're not going to lose fat by exercising. It's to gain muscle. And to get gains, there's three things that you need to have. Stimulus, recovery, and nutrition. So the stimulus is the exercise, the recovery is the rest, the quality of sleep, and we're finding that sleep is so important. 
Um, and the, the time off you take between uh, going, providing a stimulus. And then you need the building blocks. Your muscles are built out of food, you know? So you need to put the right food in your body to get the gains. Consistency equals gains. So you want a plan that you can stick to. If you aren't consistent, you won't get gains. It's that simple. Uh, choose an end date, just like fat loss. Choose an end date, eight to 12 week training block, right? So this goes well with diet. Pick a diet and pick a, a training block that has about the same time period and they work very well together. Log your workouts, just like you log your, your food, log every workout, what gets, uh, what gets, what's something about measured gets managed. What gets measured gets managed. There you go. So you're measuring your workouts. You're measuring how many reps you're doing, what the weight is, uh, how many sets you're doing, and you're doing that every workout to see your progress. All right. A few things about exercise, just some, I guess, definitions. Reps or repetition is the number of times you complete an exercise before taking a break. Sets are one block or one set of reps, i.e. you do bicep curls for 10 reps, take a break. Failure is the point at which you can't perform another rep with proper form or tempo. Okay, that's proper form or tempo. Now, there are other, um, other definitions of failure. Um, out there, but that's the generally the, the most common one. All right. Intensity is the proximity to failure in which you perform your exercises. They're often measured by reps in reserve or rate of perceived exertion. So this is how hard you're working to finish that set. Um, reps in reserve or RIR is how many reps you could have completed in your set had you continued your set to failure so for example you could have done 10 reps but you stopped at eight that means you have two reps in reserve two rir rpe is similar to reps in reserve it's rate of perceived exertion so it's on a scale of one to ten with ten being the maximum possible effort or exertion you can muster how did that set feel so it's very similar to RIR. If you have one rep in reserve, in other words, you could, could have done one rep more, but you stopped, that might be considered a nine RPE, nine out of 10 exertion. Uh, if you have no reps in reserve, that would be like a 10 RPE. Um, volume. Volume is the number of sets you perform in a given time period. AMRAP is a uh, an acronym that means as many reps as possible. So if you see that in a workout, uh, do three sets of AMRAP. That means you're just doing as many sets as possible of that uh, exercise. One RM is one rep max, and that's the maximum amount of weight with which you can complete one rep of an exercise. Okay, so those are just a few terms to help you understand some of the stuff. So <clears throat> we're gonna build a program and the first thing we want to do is choose a frequency. That's how often are you going to work out? How often, usually in a week, are you going to work out? All right. And that is often going to determine volume or intensity of your workout plan. So, for example, uh, 
Uh, if you if you're only working if you only have time or want to work out one day a week, you can still get gains. It's not as optimal as six days a week. You know, most of the research shows that higher volume in a week produce, produces the greatest gains, but you can also get gains with high intensity, just not quite as much as if you have high volume. Um, so if you're only going to train out one day a week, you could do something like Mike Menser's training. Mike Menser was a famous bodybuilder from, I think, the 80s um, who developed the Menser training method, or, or I think, what was it called? The heavy-duty training method. Uh, these are, nowadays, it's called high-intensity training, high-intensity workouts. Um, Body by Science by Doug McGuff, a libertarian, by the way, is uh, another another training modality similar to the Menser training style. But with this type of training, it's so intense. You almost need a coach, ideally, to do it. Um, you're actually going beyond failure with a lot of these exercises. So you're doing an exercise to failure. Like say you're doing bicep curls. You're, you're doing these under constant tension. You're not taking any breaks. You're doing slow eccentric, slowly lowering that weight, and then faster concentric. And you're doing that um, for 45 to 90 seconds. It's not the number of reps that matters. It's, it's how long you're under tension, your time under tension. Then what happens is at a certain point, you won't be able to lift that weight up anymore. You'll have hit failure. And that's when your spotter comes in and provides a little bit of assistance to get that weight up and then lets you lower it again and provides a little bit of assistance. And then at a certain point, you're not even going to be able to move that weight at all. In fact, it's going to take the spotter to move that weight back up all the way for you. And then you're just going to focus on negative reps. So you're going to actually, all you're going to do is lower that weight. Spotter's going to lift it back up. You're going to lower it. So you're going well beyond failure here to the point where that muscle. And, and so in these programs, they often do a warm up set and then one set to complete and utter annihilation of failure. Just one set. You can't you can't do more because your muscle will have been totally annihilated. And it takes days, sometimes a whole week to recover from these workouts and you're doing the whole body, you're doing legs, back, arms, and these workouts are fairly short. They only take uh, sometimes 20 to 40 minutes, um, but they're so intense that they're, they're, they're difficult to recover from. So if you're only able to commit one day a week in the gym, I would recommend a workout like that where you're going super intense. You're gonna see gains, not quite as much as you would see doing higher volume training. Although I will say some people in the high intensity space who really believe and push high intensity training will say that they've tried all the other conventional approaches. And while the, those conventional volume approaches work for most people, they get the most gains from these high intensity training. And that may have something to do with the type of muscle fiber or genetics that they're born with. Um, people with fast twitch fibers uh, may benefit more from high intensity than people who are, are, have more slow twitch fibers something like that. Um, so, you know, whatever works for you, I guess, right? Uh, if you're doing, if you have three to four days per week, uh, you might want to try something like starting strength. You can do a good strength program. You're going to get, you know, one of the things about um, generally strength and hypertrophy are looked at as two different types of workouts and they are, but there's a lot of overlap. You are only going to get stronger uh, by building muscle, right? So strength programs that, that build your strength also build 
muscle as well. And I think they're, they're fantastic. I had Chad Granger on um, here the other day, a barbell coach talking about how, why strength training is so important, especially in older people um, to increase your ability, your resilience, your ability to handle loads, your ability to handle falls and, and um, lift things and just do day-to-day things. The older you get, it seems like it's more important. So I highly recommend it. And I've gotten the most gains in my life from doing strength training. I've gotten more hypertrophy out of strength training than I have out of regular hypertrophy training. That's just me, uh, something that I've noticed. Um, and like uh, Mark Ripito says, you can't lift things unless your muscle <laughs> gets bigger, right? It just goes hand in hand. Uh, if you have five or six days a week to commit, you could try a classic hypertrophy bodybuilding program, or you can do uh, something like I do, which is a power building program where I combine strength training with hypertrophy training and uh, get kind of the best of both worlds. Then you're going to choose a workout split. Then you're going to choose a workout split. So that is uh, like push, pull, leg stay, uh, full body split, upper, lower. This is how you're going to cycle your body parts here. Now, if you're just doing one day a week, you're doing your whole body. You have to, right? Um, but if you're doing, say, six or seven days a week, well, now you've got a lot more options. Now, what you're trying to do is balance how many times you can train your arms versus your legs versus, you know. And so generally speaking, what I would do in, a say, a six-day-a-week program is try to work out legs uh, three times, try to work out back three times, but I'm going to make sure that there's a gap between my leg days, right? I'm not going to do squats two days in a row because my legs will be too burnt out. So you want to make sure that your body parts are recovered before the next time you put them under stress. Um, and that requires a different intensity level. So for example, I did during 75 hard, my program was, um, just a basically a power building program. I was doing deadlifts and squats every other day, coupled with um, overhead press and chest press, uh, barbell um, uh, bench press every other day. So every other day I was doing those exercises. And so I would do squat and overhead press one day, deadlift and bench press the next day, squat and overhead press the next day, deadlift and bench press the next day. So I was doing these seven days a week, as well as additional exercises for 45 minutes. And now if I went as hard as the Menser program recommends or Doug McGuff in the high intensity people recommend, I wouldn't be able to do that. I would be need recovery for four or five days before I could do another workout. So I am doing lower intensity. I'm focusing on volume and I'm making sure that I leave reps in reserve, right? I'm doing, I'm leaving at least usually two or three reps in reserve. You get hypertrophy anywhere from five to zero reps in reserve. So as long as you um, are, are doing sufficient intensity, at least up to five reps in reserve, you're gonna get some growth. Um, so I was trying to find a balance between how intense I went and how recovered I was gonna be before the next time I worked them out. Cause remember I have no, off days here. So this wasn't necessarily an optimal way of, of building muscle because there's no recovery built into this program. And I suffered uh, a lot of fatigue and overreach by the end of it. So I don't recommend doing it that way. My point is, if you're doing a lot of days, 
in a week, um, the intensity needs to be dialed back a little bit or at least considered because you're going to start accumulating fatigue and that fatigue will have to be dealt with. And some programs that you get like, um, you know, they'll, they'll have a deload week after uh, four to six weeks of working hard. You're going to back everything off by 50% for a week. You're still going to do the same workouts, but you're going to be doing it at 50% of the weight. And so that allows your body to recover and then you can start and deal with the fatigue. Um, all right, choose your exercises. And I recommend keeping it simple. Uh, work with what you got. What Are you going to go to the gym? Are you going to buy a membership? Do you have stuff at home? Are you going to work out at home? What do you have? That's going to determine a lot what exercises you choose. If you go to a commercial gym, you're going to be able to choose whatever exercises you want. Um, I have a home gym that's pretty well uh, equipped. And so I can, you know, do most of what what I could in a commercial gym. So that gives me lots of options, but you might not be in that position. You might only have a kettlebell and, you know, maybe a pull-up bar or something like that. And you, that's fine. You can do all that you need to do with those equipment, but that's going to determine your exercises. But I do recommend focusing your exercises, your program around compound movements. So because they give you more bang for the buck. They work out more muscle in the same amount of time. And so compound movements are things like squats, deadlifts, uh, pull-ups, leg presses, um, push-ups, uh, bench presses, things that use multiple body parts and, and that uh, you're, you're basically having to brace and use your whole body uh, to do. Uh, isolation movements. Um, you can add in if you have time and to hit lagging areas like arms, you know, you can do arm day, you can do calves, you can do uh, shoulders. These are isolation movements. Um, your arms are, and all these things are going to get worked out with compound movements, right? Like if you're doing pull-ups, your arms are, your biceps are getting worked out uh, as well as your back. If you're doing bench press, your triceps are getting worked out as well as your chest right? Um, if you're doing overhead press, your shoulders are getting worked out. So, you know, these compound movements work out um, a lot of things, but if they're lagging, if you want to see more growth in them, you can, you can add isolation movements. And I just wouldn't focus my workout on those. Cardio is de-emphasized. Um, now, that's not to say cardio isn't important. It's, it is, you know, Huberman, will tell you that uh, zone two cardio is very important for health and longevity. Zone two cardio is, you know, doing at least 160 to 200 minutes a week of um, cardio that, that makes you, uh, that isn't too intense, right? It's, you can breathe through your nose and do it. It's a brisk walk, a light jog. You're able to carry out a conversation without being out of breath. You're panting and you're working up a sweat but you're able to carry on a conversation. That's zone two cardio. Um, and you can do that uh, with, you know, he, what Huberman does is he does like a 60 to 90 minute hike every Sunday. And then he just increases his steps throughout the day. So you can engineer in increasing your steps. Um, and that's a good thing to do. Increasing your steps every day will help you burn more calories. It'll put you in a calorie deficit and it'll keep your, 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 joints lubricated and different things like that. So you, you know, the way you do that is you park across the parking lot from the store. You don't try to get the closest uh, parking spot to the entrance, right? Instead of taking the elevator, you take the stairs. 
you run up them, you know, you, you do little things like that. And that actually um, counts towards your zone two cardio. And if you do that enough, you, you know, you can live perfectly healthy life. So, you know, just do little things, engineer in some zone two, but keep in mind that you don't want to train like a marathon runner. You know, you're trying to do a body transformation here that creates fat loss and muscle growth, right? And uh, these endurance athletes are going into not anabolic states where you're growing muscle, but catabolic states where you're breaking down muscle tissue. So, you know, if your goal is to build muscle tissue, you can't be uh, doing endurance athletics. That's just the bottom line. Now, maybe that's your jam. You want to do it. You know, that's fine, but just be aware that there are trade-offs to be had. Um, and maybe that's good. Maybe what you want is, you know, a, a reasonable physique and a great uh, and a reasonable endurance um, run running time or something like that. Right. Maybe you want to be good at, at, at reasonable at running a long distance and reasonable at um, strength. You can be reasonable at both. You just can't be really good at both. There's trade-offs. All right, so here's an example of how this might look. Um, this, this is what I'm currently doing right now as a program, for an example. So it's a four-day uh, full-body power building split, uh, five, three, one. Now, I'm, I'm a shift worker, so a week doesn't mean anything to me. I don't design my workouts from, you know, Monday to Sunday. Um, I design my workouts around my shift, which is four on, four off. And so um, that's why I do it this way. And so the way I'll do it, I have four days. I do my four days, and then I might start my four days again right away. So I might do Monday to Thursday might be this four-day split I built. And then Friday, I start the four-day split again. So I'm actually doing more than four uh, workouts a week in a seven-day period, um, and I'm, I'm – fitting in my rest days around work days when I know I'm not going to be able to work out. Um, so this is what it looks like, a split looks like for me. Day one, I'm doing squat strength. So the first thing I focus on with my power building is strength portion. So I focus on one strength movement, one different strength movement each day is my focus. So the first one is squat strength, and then I'm going to do shoulder hypertrophy and back hypertrophy. And what that looks like is I'll do squat, uh, three sets of five. So I'll do warm up sets, and that could be anywhere from three to four warm up sets to build up my neuromuscular pathways and, and um, get ready to handle the load that I'm scheduled to handle that workout. And then I'm going to do three heavy, uh, three sets of, of five heavy lifts, uh, squat. Um, then I'm going to do overhead press um, three times one to two reps in reserve. So this means I'm going to do usually eight to 12 reps, and I'm going to leave one or two reps in the tank. I'm not going to go to complete failure because I'm going to have to use those shoulder muscles um, uh, in a couple days. So I don't want to burn them out. Um, then I'm going to do lateral raises. Uh, so I'm just hitting another aspect of my shoulder because with overhead press and strength training, um, and you're getting a lot of front delts. Okay. And you're not getting, and you're getting a lot of chest, 
but you're not getting a lot of side delts. You know, if, you, if you're interested in looking good and having a, a noticeable physique, uh, shoulders are a really big thing and side delts especially. But one of the things that happens with, with lifters and especially bodybuilders is they have huge front delts, but quite often the side delts are, are only marginally bigger than the average man's because they don't hit that size. So, you know, guys like uh, Mike Isretel, who's a professional bodybuilder and exercise physiologist, talks about doing lateral raises and making sure you focus more on side and rear delts um, than that. So that, that's why I have those in there. So I do uh, lateral raises, three sets of them to complete failure. So zero reps in reserve. Um, Cause those muscles, I, I don't use for much else. They don't need to be fully recovered. And in fact, shoulder muscles um, can actually recover fairly quickly. So I push those pretty hard. Um, then I do back hypertrophy and I usually do pull-ups. So I do three sets with zero reps in reserve. So I do those full out. Uh, then the next day, day two, I, is deadlift strength. So that's the strength exercise I'm focusing on day two. Then I do chest hypertrophy and arms hypertrophy. And what that looks like is, again, deadlift three by five. So I'm warming up and doing, you know, three to four sets, working up to my working load. And then I'm doing three sets of five heavy deadlifts. Um, and, you know, that weight goes up every single week. Every single week, I'm trying to put more weight on the deadlift, on the squat, on the overhead press, and on the bench. Whether that's 5, 10, 20 pounds. Um, usually, it's 5 or 10 pounds at this point because the gains are coming slower. Uh, but it's going to be harder. And this is why I say these workouts are kind of scary because I barely pulled up, let's say, um, last week, I barely pulled up 345 pounds for five on the deadlift. Well, um, today, actually, after this podcast, I'm going to have to put 355 on that deadlift. Now, I barely did 345 last week, and now I'm going to have to put up 355. That scares me. That's going to be hard. And I'm not looking forward to that, but it's just non-negotiable. I'm going to have to go do it. Um, then I do incline dumbbell press, uh, three sets to one to two reps in reserve, dips, three by one to two sets, reps in reserve, cable press down um, to zero reps in reserve, cable curls three times zero reps in reserve. So I'm doing cable curls and cable press downs. I'm doing arms to complete failure. Arms are one of those muscles that can recover um, quickly. You can work them out really every day and uh, without too much difficulty. So that's why I go to complete failure on those sets. Day three uh, is overhead press strength, legs hypertrophy, back hypertrophy. So again, overhead press, three by five, hack squat, um, three sets, uh, Romanian deadlift to get my, my hamstrings, three sets barbell bent over row three sets and then i'm out most of these workouts guys are about 45 minutes to an hour and the only reason they're that long is because i take plenty of time in between sets i want to make sure i'm completely recovered between sets there's no point in rushing it you get more stimulus and more intensity when you're fully recovered so it's not uncommon to wait three to five minutes uh, to lift my next set day four Bench, pre bench press strength, deadlift hypertrophy, and arms hypertrophy. So you get the idea. And this is how my program is built. And um, 
you know, you can build yours in a way that, that is more conducive to your uh, schedule. This is what uh, my home gym looks like. So you can see I'm fairly well equipped. Uh, I can do pretty much everything I want. Um, see, putting it all together. So here's how it looked like for me during 75 hard. Um, at the start of 75 hard, my I figured out that my total daily energy expenditure was about 2,700 calories, about 200, I was 235 pounds. My diet then consisted of a 750 calorie deficit. So I was aiming for 1,950 calories a day, uh, which is, and 200 grams of protein a day. I could have gone higher on the protein. As long as you're getting 0.8 to one gram of protein, you're, you're well within the range to preserve muscle or grow muscle. Uh, I weighed myself every morning. I got up after I pissed and pooed. I stepped on that scale to see what I was, and I logged that, and I used the weekly average to adjust my calories. My protein is always staying the same, always 200 grams, but my calories, my the rest of it was based on did I am I losing weight too fast or am I losing weight too slow or am I gaining weight, right? That will tell me whether I need to go up or down on the calories. Um, during 75 hard, I'd wake up an hour early and do 45 minutes of zone two uh, brisk walk with my dog. And, um, you know, I've stopped doing that now just because it's not necessary uh, for me. Uh, you know, it's that was just part of a discipline. But, you know, I didn't get a huge amount out of that. Um, for breakfast, I'll eat oatmeal with protein powder. So, you know, that's about uh, 300 calories of protein or of uh, oatmeal and about uh, 30 to 40 grams of protein in that breakfast. Um, I'll do my morning routine. I'll usually, you know, this that's the time when I do my writing, content creation, anything that requires brain power. That's when I'm freshest and most, uh, most creative. Then I'll eat a protein bar usually two to three hours after breakfast. I'll eat my, it says my first meal around noon. It's actually, um, I have breakfast for a long, for the first half of 75 hard, I actually didn't eat breakfast until I didn't break my fast until noon. So I was basically intermittent fasting for the first half. Then I was reading some stuff about uh, protein synthesis and I wanted to make sure I had protein right upon waking. And, and I noticed that my workouts were lagging a little bit. And I think it was because I was, carb depleted when you're in a calorie deficit and you're not getting a lot a lot of carbs before your workout they feel a little sluggish so i added in oatmeal and, and protein halfway through and I, my workouts uh felt better after that um then i did my power building workout around 2 p.m so a couple hours after lunch is when i would do my workout um and then i do take a post-workout protein shake right after that then have a big supper at six and that was it for the evening. So that's kind of what the day looks like. And, you know, it's not, it's, it's relatively simple, uh, but it's, it can be hard until you start getting used to it. Right. And now it's just kind of a habit and part of a lifestyle. Some miscellaneous things to keep in mind, supplements, they're almost all garbage. They're almost all trying to sell you something. The only supplements that are, 
valuable from my perspective whey is whey protein. That's the primary one. Having some whey protein, it's good quality protein, and having it on hand um, is super useful to, to make sure you have enough protein. You know, post-workout shake, um, dumping it on my oatmeal in the morning, I mean, that just helps you hit your your protein macros for the day. Uh, without it, it would be harder. I'd have to cook some eggs or have, you know, cook some meat or do something else to add to it. So I recommend whey protein. Creatine is well studied and uh, definitely helps. Uh, I'm on creatine now. I wasn't on 75 hard. One thing to keep in mind when you start taking creatine, it will improve your strength, and, but it'll also uh, shift your water balance. And, you know, a big guy like me can expect to gain about five pounds of water weight when you take creatine. And that that was basically true with me. So when I started my new maintenance plan, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take creatine now. And I, I'll expect the scale to go up about five pounds over the next week, just from the creatine. And I, and I won't freak out because <laughs> uh, it's not fat. It, in fact, creatine will make your muscles look fuller and they'll make you look more, more jacked in a lot of ways, even when it's adding weight to you, because it's not adding fat to you. It's just adding water primarily in your muscle cells. Um, so creatine is recommended. I'd also recommend getting a food scale. I weigh pretty much every meal to see exactly how many calories I'm getting. So I put the, put my plate down. I hit the scale button that zeroes out the, the weight of the plate. I add my protein. I see how much protein's on there. Try to get whatever 200 grams of steak or extra lean ground beef uh log that then i zero the scale again i put on my rice see how much rice i have 150 grams zero the scale again add my greens see how much that is and i log all that and keep going it becomes you get used to it and then after a while you know uh you don't have to use a scale anymore because you can approximate things good enough to know um if you're in the right ballpark for calories it's not a bad idea to get a coach I didn't use a coach, um, but I know my wife and daughter both have used coaches in the past, even though they're knowledgeable, you know, we're a fitness household. Uh, my wife is very knowledgeable. She should, she could coach people. I could coach people. My daughter could probably coach people. And yet my wife and daughter, rather than using each other or me as a coach, they'll get a, some stranger to coach them. Uh, it just works better, right? It's someone to keep you accountable, someone uh, to take all the guesswork out of things. Tell me what to eat. Tell me how many calories to eat. Uh, tell me what my workout should be. Those things are all handy. And it's also handy to have someone, like I said, to be accountable to. Someone who is going to, you know, you're going to have to talk to your coach later this week. What are you going to tell them? Are you going to tell them that you failed miserably? Or are you going to tell them that you're on track? Well, you're paying for a coach. That means you're committing to something and you don't want to waste your money and you don't want to waste the coach's time. So it's kind of a, an intrinsic uh, motivator, I guess. Um, the apps I use that I would recommend are uh, Jeffit, which is a free workout app. You can you can pay for a premium thing, but the premium is you know pointless. But you, you can log all your workouts. You can design workouts and then log them. It's way easier. I find I'm never going to carry a notebook with me and log everything. I know a few guys that do that and. 
it's actually a really good habit to get into to have a, a written notebook and log everything. Cause in, in a notebook, you can even log how that set felt, like how you feel that day working out. Do you feel like you're dragging ass? Um, do you feel like you're on top of the world? Do you feel like you've gotten a good pump that day? Do you feel like you're, you're weak that day? You know, all those things are good. That's good information to have. So you can kind of track and see um, how you're doing and, and what adjustments you need to make going forward. But uh, I don't go into that much detail. I just want to see what my numbers were last week and what, what my numbers should be this week in terms of my strength lifts. Cause I want to see steady progression and um, Jeff is great for that. Uh, my fitness pal is a great app for logging your diet and tracking your weight. So you can enter your weight on there. You can um, log your diet. It has a barcode scanner, everything you need in the free version. And then the premium version has some extra stuff. I think it, it gives you like time of day when you're eating and stuff like that. Uh, the, the free thing is I think good enough for, for me. Um, like right now I'm using carbon, which is Lane Norton's app. Uh, which logs diet weight and it has a bit of coaching in it so every week it, you check in with the ai coach um were you on track with your it asks a few questions were you on track with your macros um is this the weight you're going with uh it averages your weight over time um and then it adjusts your your macros and it asks you what your goal is is it maintenance bulking uh mild fat loss moderate fat loss rapid fat loss and then it, it adjusts everything accordingly so i find it uh quite useful um and that's about it there you go uh listen i'm gonna do something I, I'm, look i'm not in the business and i have no interest in being um, a fitness guy or getting into the fitness space um I just want to give you guys some some information. I want to see you be successful. And I know a lot of this stuff can be daunting, and I, I probably gave you way more information than you wanted or needed. I'm, I'm, I, I doubt most of you are even listening at this point. But if you are listening, if any of this stuff has been interesting to you, uh, please let me know down there. Uh, I'm also going to leave my uh, phone number and email in the show notes. That might be... Uh, a bad idea, but I'm going to do it anyways. And I'll, I'll commit to helping 10 people out for free um, over the next, let's say, three months. If you want to have a radical body transformation, if you are tired of what you see in the mirror, if you're tired of how you're feeling, if you're tired of being, um, you know, just fluffy, overweight, low energy, hit me up. I'll help you out. I'll help you for free. Uh, for three months. I want to see 10 people do this. Um, and text me. First 10 people, I'm going to help out. And uh, we'll help you achieve your goals. And hopefully we'll get more liberty together. Anyways, until next time, uh, I'm Tim Mullen. See ya.